Welcome to the Soul Space Podcast. Thanks for listening. All right, guess what, everybody? Um, I can't believe this, and you're not going to believe this, but I have someone from Cloudflare on the podcast now. I've been too, sort of too shy to ask for a long time, but um, I did a couple of podcasts with uh, my clients over at ProPublica, and it was heavy into talking about how they use Cloudflare to do some pretty, pretty incredible stuff with a recent launch. So today I have the the head of developer marketing from Cloudflare, Zach Bloom. Zach, um, maybe you could say a little bit about your role over there and what developer marketing means. I think that's a really good question, and thank you so much for having me. I I have to warn you that I'm may, maybe a little bit like you, but much more like than you probably. I'm very biased towards Cloudflare. You know, <laughs> I worked here for a little over three years, and the real reason that I work here is because. I've never really been in a place where it felt like we were doing so many different things that I could genuinely believe is going to have a positive impact on, on the internet. Uh, and I grew up basically in, on and in the internet. Like the internet was much more of a part of my life maybe than the real world, uh, tragically. And <laughs> so to me, the idea that we can work on these things that can improve the internet, can make it better, can get it closer to working the way that we would build it in 2020, not the way mm-hmm. that a bunch of wonderful scientists built it in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s is a bizarre and powerful thing. You know, everywhere yeah. else I worked, <laughs> the internet was just like a playing field. You know, we would just have to build stuff on top of it. And here we actually kind of get to change it. So um, I'm I'm very biased and, and very excited. Uh, <laughs> you asked what developer marketing is to me. And I think the answer is going to be different from company to company because different companies have different challenges. For Cloudflare... We're really lucky in that the products we're building are really powerful, and I think that they're pretty good, and they're pretty useful, and they check a lot of the boxes, like having an API or supporting something like GraphQL, a lot of these things that that are important to developers and make their lives easier. And so our job becomes really just education. Like, how can we make as many people as possible realize that if they knew about this Cloudflare product or that this Cloudflare feature existed and it's just you know flipping a switch, it might save them a week or a month of time, yeah. or it might save them a huge amount of money that they're spending on some other service right now yeah. or on infrastructure that they don't need. And so I would say 99% of the job is really how can we pass along accurate and true information to people such that they can make the best possible decisions. And we just trust that if they have that information, a lot of the time, not every time, but a lot of the time they're going to end up choosing Cloudflare and it's going to be good for the business. Yeah. Um, so the, the developer part of your title, um, what does that mean more specifically? Like I'm, I've got to be one of your targets as far as the kinds of people that you want to reach out and do marketing activity with because, um, you know, I, I, I serve a bunch of clients who have a problem that's shaped exactly like Cloudflare um, and we develop products and plugins for the CMSs that we work on. So we're we're right in that spot where I would imagine that people like me are your, in your particular case, your audience. Yeah. I mean, Cloudflare is a funny place to work because we have a really broad user base. All the way on one side, we have someone who maybe just spun up a WordPress blog for their restaurant. You know, the true, true, true small business trying to make things happen on the internet. They don't have a ton of money. They're not super technically savvy and they need a product that they can really understand. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have you know, NPM, you know, a company that's incredibly technically advanced, Mm -hmm. think, you know, building things that 
are using the latest possible technologies and need things that can that that have never existed before need to be able to solve problems at global scale that haven't necessarily ever been solved and that spectrum is all cloudflare yeah. and it ranges from people who are what i would call developers which are people who i say build things for a living in one form or another all the way to people who mostly uh i would say uh, assemble things you know connect things together wire things together uh, have to select and purchase things and make them work in in, in, a, in a reasonable and logical way and so when i think about developers i'm mostly thinking about the people who are going to construct things if that makes sense that makes that makes a lot of sense and that matches up with half of the audience for this podcast so when we talked on the phone it's when we just first met uh, I was telling you that my company has basically two audiences, especially for this particular podcast. There's there's the clients and prospective clients who need our development services, our maintenance type services, and then there's the the people who buy the products, the plugins that we make for CMSs, and those are the um, assembly type uh, developers, or assembly type uh, web people that we're talking about. So. In that sense, I can relate. Those those people, I build tools that they then take and then do cool stuff with, making sure it fits in with other tools that they're selecting for solving a given problem. Uh, but then on the other side of the house is we interact with a lot of people who are uh, you know, building stuff a little bit closer to the metal. Um, so how at Cloudflare do you... How do you find a balance between serving all those different people? So the, the restaurant WordPress website to the... Um, you know, enterprise pushing the edge of the envelope type of an organization. It, it, are there just different teams and divisions at Cloudflare that handle that? Or, I mean, how is that structure uh, dealt with? That's a great question. And it isn't different teams. Uh, Cloudflare is mostly divided by product area. So you'll find a team that works on DNS and you'll find a team that works on load balancing, things like that. I would say the single biggest thing is picking the right place to start. What we have found is when you build really bespoke things for enterprise customers, custom things that are hidden behind a bunch of settings and flags that only they can operate, or even only you, the company, can operate, uh, those features generally never make it to self-serve customers mm -hmm. because they're too specific and it's too much work and it's hard for people to quantify the value of trying to, to make those things available for, for a pay-as-you-go self-serve customer. So you have to do it in the other direction. And this has been a real huge superpower of Cloudflare. From day one, we have been a self-serve tool that anyone on the internet can, even for free, add to their website to make it faster and make it more secure. And whenever we build a new feature, it always makes it into that self-serve product as quickly as it possibly can. And that direction is much easier to go in. You know, an enterprise is happy to take your self-serve product and they expect a higher level of robustness and audit logging and different billing options and all sorts of details that people expect from an enterprise co company, but they're never upset that it has a user interface, mm -hmm. Yeah, that it has these tools that self-serve customers really, really demand. So if you go in that direction, you go up market, as we might say, uh, we've found it to be a, a much better experience and you end up with a product that, that hopefully works for everyone. So will you hear will you hear a problem, uh, sort of an edge type of um, market problem, from uh, one of your enterprise again pushing the edge of the envelope clients, and then you'll take it and say, okay, well, give us a, a little while. We're going to work on this, and it'll be folded into the um, to the pay as you go offering, and then you'll come back to the enterprise. I mean, in, in the case of my business, most of the intellectual property we've developed has been because a specific client 
came to us with a problem and we developed a solution for that. And then we rolled it out to everybody else. So we went the reverse, more traditional way. So how do you, how do you get the ideas in the first place? So let me tell you a story. Uh, I, the first business call I had at Cloudflare, at least that I remember, the first uh, call with a customer that I had three years ago was with a big uh, A-B testing vendor. So they let people display multiple variants of their website so that they can figure out which one works better, which one converts better. And this company was saying, is there some way that we could compile our A-B testing code that runs on our servers and run it on your edge around the world? And for people who don't know, when I say edge, I mean Cloudflare has servers in 200 different cities around the world and really close to virtually everyone who exists on the internet. So what they wanted was to go from having one location where they were running their A-B testing code and it was slowing down all these websites that were getting visitors from around the world to having 200 locations where this code was running. So it would be much closer to all their visitors and everyone using this A-B testing service would have a much faster website. And they were saying, you know, we will happily pay you money if you can take our code and compile it and install it on your edge. And we kind of had to say no. And that's where this really connects back to your question. You know, it's a kind of a discipline of saying, we are here to have a bigger impact on the internet. And what we really don't want to do is solve this problem only for the richest people in the world. Mm-hmm. We don't want to solve this problem only for people who have so much money that they basically could afford to build their own edge if they wanted to. And, you know, they're using ours because it might be a little bit more convenient. It's a lot more meaningful and more sustainable and more fun and more rewarding to solve the problem for everyone. So we said no. And we said no to a lot of requests like that. And then eventually we built a product called Cloudflare Workers that let anyone write code and run it on our edge. And it was obviously much more difficult than it ever would have been to package up that one person's code. But we had mapped all of these requests that we were getting into some sort of grander vision. And we had said, how can we solve all of these problems but not solve them tomorrow, be patient, solve them over time, and solve them in a definitive way that would work for everyone? And, you know, you do trade off a little bit of short-term revenue, and it's definitely not something you can do in the earliest stages of your business when you really need uh, to get customers and prove value. But I think as we've gotten bigger, it's become more and more possible for us to to solve the root of these problems. We're going to make sure that we talk at length about edge computing and workers and and that sort of thing, because that that played pretty heavily into... Uh, the conversations that I had with ProPublica recently, and mm. and, and really was a big um, a big part of why their their recent relaunch of a site and any pretty much any future launch of a ProPublica site is just um, I don't know three hundred times easier than it used to be like what less stressful I mean it's so much better because they they were able to use workers workers KV to launch portions of the website at a time. Um, this was a back-end upgrade. It wasn't a front-end change, so there wasn't anything design, like, uh, you know, GUI level in front of the end users. It was all back-end stuff. It was a complete rewrite of the back-end, but the front-end looked the same. So you were able to launch just sections based on URL segment and say, okay, we're going live with the About section. All right, three or four days go by. Yeah, it looks pretty good. We're going to go live with the blog now. And they would just flip a switch, and it was Workers KV that was making that possible. And so we, there was never a point in time where we had to flip a switch and say, okay, we're now on this on the new server infrastructure. We're now in the new data center. Uh, let's, you know, everybody hold your breath. Hopefully we didn't crash anything. So we'll make sure we talk at length about that because when you and I have touched on this topic, 
Um, you've said a few times that shouldn't the internet be run this way? Shouldn't it be all based on edge computing? So I want to make sure we get there. But before we do that, we're going to lay some foundational material. Absolutely. So, it, just to connect really briefly with what you just said, there's no way that we at Cloudflare could have built that as well as ProPublica did because there's just too much to do. You know, we could we could not have built a feature flag deployment tool in the time that they had in the way that they needed as well as they did. And so the fact that we had this workers platform made it possible for people to build all these things that we just would never have had the resources to build on our own because there's a hundred other things that people do with workers as well that are that are equally impressive. Yeah. Well, that's a sweet spot is when you find a problem, but you, you can abstract it out into some tool or set of tools that other people can be creative with. Um, whenever we encounter that in my team, we know that we're we're in a good a good place. It requires patience, like you said. You have to build something and give it time for developers to pick it up and do interesting things with it. Um, so I, I wanted to make sure at the outset of this podcast, I'm hoping we do a few of these because I have tons of questions for you to tell me about Cloudflare. But I just I'm a fanboy. I'm not really a fanboy of anything, uh, but I am with Cloudflare, not because. Uh, I geek out on the tools and what they do, but because you have saved my life a number of times with my clients, um, you know, the the ability to put an entire site into cache to deal with the server outage or some kind of a problem. I mean, I can't, I can't even count the number of times that um, I have come out looking like a reliable professional because of your tools. So I just want to say um, at, the at, at the outset of this interview that, um, yeah, I'm a big fan. I own some stock and there's good reason I intend to sit on it for a long time. So this is also a biased point of view for me, um, but this is a good opportunity for, for people who listen to my podcast to hear more about what is possible with your tools, because I think we're overlooking some things, and I just want to make sure we dive into that kind of stuff. Um, so we, we're touching on how you guys develop uh, new product lines and new service offerings, and you were talking about how you know you, you guys could have built stuff custom for your enterprise clients, but you try to go in the direction of building tools that everybody can use. One of the things I used to tell clients when I would talk them into using Cloudflare and running their site through Cloudflare is they would say, oh, that sounds really expensive. You're telling me I'm going to get all these features and DDoS protection. I'm going to get uh, all this heavy-duty caching and CDN, uh, you know, uh, distributed caching and all that kind of stuff. How much is that going to cost? Well, it's free. What do you mean it's free? Yeah, it's free. Their basic level is free. It's no big deal. Well, what's the next level? 20 bucks. Well, how, how is this company surviving? How are they making any money doing this? Most of my clients didn't need to get anywhere near an enterprise plan. Uh, you know, a few of them are on, the, are on the $20 a month plan. The rest are not on anything. They're on your free level. They're getting SSL certificates and everything for free. So how are you guys making money? I don't get how you're monetizing this when so much of what you do is just free. This is a really comical and, and interesting thing. Because you can go into Google and you can search things like, uh, does Cloudflare really char not charge for bandwidth? And you find all these people who are stunned and disbelieving and imagine it must be some <laughs> sort of trick because every other uh, vendor that you might go out to, whether it's a CDN or a security company, is going to charge you for the amount of data that you put through the pipes. And people just, they, they, they think that there must be some sort of illusion or trick or upsell or something like that. Yeah. But it really is an economy of massive, massive scale. As Cloudflare has had more bandwidth moving through it, each of those bytes has gotten a lot cheaper. And because Cloudflare does this somewhat benevolent thing for the internet, 
which is making it possible for anyone who has a website to not get attacked and taken down. Because the internet is a dangerous place. I could put a website up right now, and if someone really wants to, for a few dollars, they could pay a botnet to just take it offline. And unless I have millions of dollars to buy infrastructure, I can't really protect against that. Yeah. And so Cloudflare does this pretty benevolent thing of sitting in front of those websites and, and making it so that they can't be taken down. And that has made it possible for us to build peering agreements with many, many internet service providers around the world where we put our Cloudflare caching CDN nodes are really our servers that do everything because Cloudflare only has one type of server. Every single product we have is, is served by the same fleet of servers inside their network inside that internet service provider, whether it's in India or Mongolia or here in the United States. And then we take a fiber optic cable or a, or a ethernet cable and plug it between our server and their infrastructure and we get that bandwidth for free. We are able to use, uh, connect to their customers without actually paying them anything for bandwidth. And that's only gotten easier the bigger Cloudflare has gotten. And it's made it such that every new customer we sign up in some way actually lowers our cost. And so it's a bizarre and amazing thing. And, and you know, you as an investor or anyone can, can kind of look at the high level financial metrics of the company and really understand how, uh, I guess, successful that, that project and, and plan has been. And it makes it possible for us to have all these free customers. There's another set of advantages to having free customers. One is you see all the threats on the internet really, really early. Oh yeah. Because anyone attacking anyone is gonna hit a Cloudflare site somewhere and so we are able to block those attacks much more efficiently than if we only had a thousand really high pay high paying customers another big advantage is it lets us release products so much more quickly because when you only have a bunch of high paying customers you have to be incredibly cautious and spend you know i i was a product manager you have to spend years testing these things if they're going to make large-scale changes because you cannot break a top-tier customer's website yeah. It's, you know, there's almost nothing you could release that would be worth that. Whereas when you have free customers, you can say, we're going to, we're going to release this to our free customers, you know, who have customers hitting them in Toronto. And we're going to make sure that it works there. We're going to validate it. We're going to fix any issues. And then we can release it to a wider set of the world. And then we can release it to, to $20 a month customers that you describe mm -hmm. and then $200 a month customers. And by the time a enterprise customer paying many thousands of dollars a month sees the feature, it's probably been a part of billions of requests. And that lets us release things so, so, so much more quickly than we ever could otherwise. So all of these things interact and integrate in a really beautiful way that you wouldn't, not, I certainly would not have been able to expect or predict. I'm not, I'm not one of the founders and I don't think I could have come up with this, but it, it has worked very well. So the you got a you know free plan you got a twenty dollar a month that's pro you got business which is two hundred a month and you got an enterprise level which is mystery meat I mean that's the same with everybody they they never tell you what it costs because it's bespoke you customize it per per client per per customer right um, so you know what are the print the the two places I might three places I occupy with my clients would be free pro and business oh, why do I want a business plan that's a great question so. There are some high-level reasons, like you need a more effective support SLA. When you submit a support ticket to Cloudflare, every single person, even down to a free customer, gets a response from a knowledgeable human. But if you're a biz customer, you get it a lot more quickly. Mm -hmm. And it goes into a totally separate queue and gets uh, you know, escalated much more, much more readily and gets responded to much faster. And that is a really important thing for a business. And so yeah. if I was a business that was relying on my website, 
and I had this Cloudflare service that was such a pivotal part of it, $200 a month is probably not a ton of money to pay to get access to that. There's also a bunch of features you get. For example, you want to start doing image optimization. You want to resize the images coming through your website, and you want that to be really, really quick. It happens on the same edge nodes that we talked about all around the world that everything else that Cloudflare does happens on. Upgrading to the biz plan gets you access to things like image resizing. It increases the tiers of a lot of products. It increases the performance of some things, and it gives you access to other features that you wouldn't have otherwise. But I truly believe that the single biggest reason is because you get more guarantees around the performance and support offered to you. How does the imagery sizing thing work? Because I, I have a client that we're signing this week who who needs exactly that. They need that Great. optimization to in, in, improve the page load performance and, and the quality as well. So can you speak about that? Yeah, well, if you would believe it, it's actually built with a worker. Uh, we internally, uh, before this whole workers product existed, built most of our features using Lua, which is a uh, programming language that isn't that commonly used. And it took a while for us to be able to build these things and ship them. And there were a lot of uh, points of friction where other teams would have to review code because it was very dangerous to push things out to the edge that could break other features. And then we built this workers product that I talked about. And I don't want to dive into workers too deeply right now because I know we're going to talk about another episode. But suddenly it was possible for our internal teams to build new features much more quickly. So we took this image resizing idea that we had wanted to build forever because obviously everyone needs to be able to resize images before they serve them as a part of a website. And one small team of a few engineers was able to build it uh, largely using a worker. And so you can use a URL format. So you can generate a URL to an image that includes parameters on how big it should be and we'll resize it for you. Or you can write a worker, and then you have a JavaScript API that runs on the edge that you can call to load an image and resize it. You can do either. Cool. And uh, you end up getting that image in the size that you wanted with the parameters you wanted. Obviously, there's other modifications that you can make to the image that, that people need. And it gets delivered from the edge directly to the user without any performance impact that would happen if you used some third-party image resizing service. So the... Um the, the master image is still sitting on my client's server. And when it gets routed through Cloudflare, um, the end user gets the resized version based on the parameters that we've, we've set for it. Um, but I still keep the master on the local server just as it was before. Exactly. Cool. So your CDN is now resizing the image for you on the fly before it's delivered to the user. Okay. How often do you purge that resized image from your cache? Or is that just, is that kind of a mystery? It will follow the same caching parameters as the underlying image. So you should never have to worry that you'll get a, that the uh, resized image would cache longer than the original image would. Okay. And that's subject to the same cache busting, cache purging uh, that you have in the control panel, or are there separate rules that you can target your images? Um, I mean, because, you know, you, you're caching, you can, you can clear URL patterns, or you can clear the whole, you can purge the whole cache from what I remember. Is there, is there something separate for the image uh, transformation work? So to give context on that, one of the other things that, C that Cloudflare does is, is, is the, it's what's called a content delivery network, a CDN. And we take a lot of the files that people have that have to be served as a part of their website and make it available in caches all around the world. So instead of someone trying to load uh, a web ProPublica, let's say, if they're trying to load it in India, instead of it having to travel all the way around the world to wherever ProPublica servers are, it can go to Cloudflare's most local cache. And there are many of them inside India. 
and get that file really, really quickly. And any part time you're caching things, though, you have to start thinking about how are we going to evict things out of that cache, because you don't want files sitting around in the cache when their original file, the file on ProPublica server has changed. Yeah. All of a sudden people are getting old or broken versions of websites. So that's a problem. So Cloudflare has a bunch of different ways of purging things out of the cache when you change things. One is by URL that you talked about. Uh, another is purging everything, which is the other one you talked about. A third is something called cache tags. And that's where when you serve the file, you give it any arbitrary tag you want. And then you can say, I want anything with that tag to get purged. Mm. There's a bunch of, of different ways of managing it. Um, to answer your question, we don't let you purge each individual variant, but you can purge the underlying original image and it will purge all of the variants for that image. Oh, okay. So you could use a wildcard, for example, to purge everything in that directory or use our tags feature or purge that specific URL. Um, what level is the tags feature on? Is that is that a business or enterprise or? That's a good question. So cache tags are an enterprise only feature. Uh, you can set custom cache keys which is where you, you don't want to use the URL as the cache key for something. You, for some reason, want to use your own cache key. Uh, it's common if you want to cache everything with, uh, you know, maybe you don't care about the query parameters that, that a file has. You want them all to be cached together. You can customize the cache key, but the cache tag feature that lets you purge a whole set of files together is an enterprise-only feature. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a juicy feature. I've, I've wanted that many times with my clients, but I didn't want to try to talk them into going with the enterprise approach. Um, this reminds me of another question, and forgive me for bouncing around too much, but I'm just I'm seeking some kind of overview, kind of 40,000 foot in the air view of Cloudflare right. before we dive into really detailed stuff. Um, the last time I had a conversation with a client about uh, using your enterprise level, it was because that client internally had policies about SLAs. They had uh, policies about you know service level requirements and response times, uptimes, all that kind of thing. If it hadn't have been for those policies internal to this, it was a multinational, it's a pretty big company, um, then they would not have necessarily had to um, go the enterprise route or at least talk to your enterprise uh, sales reps. Um, but but that came up in, in one, of the, one of the most difficult parts of that conversation. It continues to be an issue. Um, and once again, just looking at the overall structure of how Cloudflare f functions initially, um, that client... Um, these, these large multinational companies, these enterprise companies, they tend to have um, IT staff scattered around the globe. And it's really hard to pin down who has the keys to the DNS. It's difficult to know which, which developer and where is the person who's going to make the, the A record change or the C name change to, to, make it, to, to launch something. And for that matter, it's pretty terrifying for them to route all of their um, DNS traffic through your name servers, but that's that's optimally what you want in order to get the DDoS protections and all that sort of security and, and all the really good bits that Cloudflare offers. You guys want um, someone to point their domain at your name servers and run their host file over on your system. We had a terrible time getting this enterprise level client um, to even have that conversation about, well, what does that mean for our entire infrastructure? How do we route all that through you? How do you handle that objection, that sales objection? Is there, is there something you can help me and my colleagues, my developer friends, do and say to make that an easier conversation? Because right now it's a pretty heavy lift. Yeah, there's a bunch of different answers to that. And some talk about why it's valuable to do it, and others give other options so that you don't have to do it. 
In terms of why it's valuable, one of the big changes in Cloudflare over the last couple of years has been we've gone from only protecting websites to protecting really anything that connects to the internet. So if you have a server on an arbitrary TCP port somewhere, you know, you're hosting a, you know, a game server, which is not likely for an enterprise company, but maybe a legacy uh, business operations software that uses its own protocol over TCP. It's possible for Cloudflare to now protect those services. So in talking to a company like that, I would talk about all of the many things they're running on their domain and the idea that just protecting their website is probably actually not ideal because if they yeah. instead decide to protect everything with Cloudflare, they can get rid of a whole bunch of firewall boxes and physical hardware that they have to buy every couple of years and maintain licenses on and maintain and that cause huge performance bottlenecks for them. So that's the ideal answer, which is Cloudflare protects all sorts of things and you really, really want to be using it and it's going to save you money and it's going to make everything you do on the internet much more secure. Your, your problem there is you're tampering with job security for some IT people who would really rather things stay complicated. Um, and I mean, it's it sounds pessimistic for me to say it that way, but that's exactly what I've encountered. I mean, hey, if you offload everything to Cloudflare, it's not that it's not going to be more expensive. It's going to be cheaper. It's going to be more reliable and stable. And you you have the the backing of a lot of security provisions that you don't currently have. What's the problem? And then there's all kinds of weird pushback that doesn't make any sense until you think about how how many people you're going to put out of work or, or supposedly put out of work by that change. I don't think we want to put anyone out of work. I think we want people to be able to work on interesting problems. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I would generally say there is, if you look at the history of the internet, the history of the cloud, the, the good side generally wins eventually. Uh, you know, people were saying all of these same arguments to try to prevent businesses from moving to the cloud. And in this current crisis, it seems like that battle has officially been lost. Yeah, that's and over now. So if right. you're patient, eventually the more affordable, the more performant, the more secure option is going to win. It just might take longer than, than you or I would want. Uh, yeah. To answer the other side of your question, which is maybe a more pragmatic answer, Companies don't have to move their entire DNS to Cloudflare in order to use Cloudflare services. You can, for example, point a single CNAME. So a single subdomain can get pointed to Cloudflare. And then Cloudflare is only active for that subdomain, but the rest of the site doesn't use Cloudflare. You can also move the DNS to Cloudflare, but keep most of it what we call gray clouded, where only our DNS is, is used by you and the traffic still goes exactly to where it originally was going. It doesn't go through Cloudflare's edge servers. So there are options in between. Um, I mean that that helps uh, if you if you just use a CNAME approach, with, which it's, it's a workaround we've used a few times with clients, then you you don't get the extra security protections that you do the other way. It depends. You do for that CNAME potentially. So if our goal here is really we're just going to build a new service and we're going to make that new service secure and we're not going to worry about the legacy components of the organization then we will potentially achieve our objective by okay. just pointing a CNAME at, at Cloudflare. It's not going to be quite as performant because you're going to have to do another DNS resolution on a DNS network that's probably not as dense or robust as Cloudflare's, but yeah. it will work. And it's certainly a reasonable compromise. What we generally find is once people start using Cloudflare within an organization, it grows pretty rapidly. They want to use more features. They learn about more products and want to use them. New teams would rather use Cloudflare than whatever legacy thing they were using before. The company realizes that it's a lot more cost effective than buying a bunch of hardware. And 
for us, it's kind of a win to get a company using Cloudflare in any capacity because at that point, the experience kind of sells itself into other teams. That's probably why I've lost the argument in the past is I, I didn't probe further for um, costing of their current infrastructure. Um, like we, we had a client we did a launch for a couple of weeks ago, and um, this was a site that was going to run on one CMS install, but it was going to be about five international sites. So, you know, divided up a bunch of different languages, different, uh, different domains pointing at the same CMS. We routed all of that through Cloudflare. Um, one of the great things about the, the Cloudflare system is you can route all that through and with the, just a quick change of an A record on IP address, then your new site is live. And because of how Cloudflare functions, that happens instantaneous. If you make a dumb mistake and you need to revert, reverting is super great. So we use that as part of the way to win that argument. But we flip the switch on the primary site that this company runs under, and it, it turned out that they had a lot of infrastructure set up on GoDaddy, and they were routing a lot of their security protocols through there. I don't know what the heck what they were doing. But when we flipped the switch, all of a sudden it turned all that stuff off because we were sending over to your name servers. And we got, we got a lot of urgent phone calls from a lot of people in data centers around the world. We needed to revert that. Um, so I probably would have won that argument if I'd been able to say, well, how much does it cost currently? And let's talk about how much it might cost if we move you over. For the reason that I just sleep better at night when I'm routing traffic through you guys, because I, I know that there's just a quick flip of a couple of switches to help me get out of a lot of different possible problems. To but anyway, give, to, well, yeah, to go give ahead. people context on that, when I was coming up in the world of web development, and I, I think when you are as well, the way that you would change the hosting provider of a website would be to change the, the, the DNS, to change the name servers. Exactly. And that has one big issue, which is caching and propagation time, because those values right. are cached for a very long time. Many of the systems that are caching them are totally out of your control and are not compliant with the spec, so they could cache them for almost arbitrary amounts of time. And so you might make a mistake and find out, and this has happened to me, that some locations are not going to have this new re reverted value for 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody is telling you it's still broken, you know, 18 hours after you make the mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when you use Cloudflare, because the request is always first going to our edge, and that edge is just a bunch of servers, you can make a change. That change can propagate to all the servers in a few seconds, and then it is immediately effective for everyone in the world. Yeah. So it gives you this safety net. Um, and this is something that I learned from software development. It isn't really about not making mistakes. It's about not making mistakes that take a long time to fix. Yeah, absolutely. You can take almost anything down for three seconds or 30 seconds. And it looks kind of bad. It's not a great day, but you're okay. If you corrupt data or you break something that can't be fixed for 24 hours, it is just a miserable, horrible, horrific experience. Yeah. And yeah, so I totally agree. I think that's a huge advantage of Cloudflare. It's making that edge much more intelligent than if you just relied on the, the DNS that might already be there. In terms of that particular customer, obviously there are ways of uh, spinning up environments and testing them before you flip the switch and things like that. But it is truthfully another advantage of actually using the enterprise plan because when you subscribe to the enterprise plan at Cloudflare, you get a solutions engineer. It's a bunch of very, very smart people who have done this for years. And so they know what it means to take a really large company and, and flip that switch, and they can help make sure that it's going to go the way that you want the first time. So that is another advantage of, of an enterprise contract. 
you know, that, that sense of reassurance and dependability is something that a lot of our, our clients need. And they don't know how much they need it until you, until you explain some things like, well, you're, you have a kill switch. If we flip the switch and we don't like it, we switch it right back. And two seconds later, it's all over until we fix it and we're ready to go again. They really relax. So that sense of being able to rely and, and depend on an outcome, um, I can see some of my clients spending money on that. But um, we can dive into that in some more detail. This is going to feel really arbitrary, but we're basically at the 30-minute mark. Why don't we stop here, call this an episode, and reconvene and pick back up on some other sort of baseline Cloudflare questions I have for you. And then we can start heading in the direction of some of the more advanced stuff that, um, that I can't wait to explore personally. Me neither. Thank you so much for having me, Mitchell. Right on. Thank you, Zach. You've been listening to the Soul Space Podcast.